Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Jake Rosemarin to the show. Jake Rosemarin has spent the past decade advancing clean tech industries through marketing innovation. He has helped launch dozens of clean tech and smart mobility startups, is a trusted advisor to CEOs and VCs, and was recognized on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list in 2018. He previously founded Eco Branding, which was acquired by Antenna in 2017, an integrated marketing communications agency. And he currently serves as Senior Vice President of Strategy and Business Development at Antenna, the largest cleantech marketing and public relations agency in North America. Jake, how are you doing today? Doing well, working from home, no complaints. Uh, good to be on today. So where is home, Jake? Home is New York City. I live in Brooklyn, New York. How's the weather up there? It's uh, it's not too bad. You know, a little, little chilly, a little rainy, um, but uh, everyone's inside right now. So, um, so you know, pretty comfortable, pretty comfortable inside, I suppose. <laughs> How does New York look with the streets empty? Uh, it looks. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's certainly it's quieter. So it sounds quieter, but it's. Uh, you know, it's it's you know it's still a lim- limited sun from the tall buildings, and uh, you know it's it's still uh, it's still the same old New York. Everyone's gonna uh, getting together, and everyone's on the same page here. I think people are are, are listening. You know, everyone I talk to staying home. Um, yeah, good to good to see that that people are following the rules right now. Good to hear that. Well, Jake, I like to start the show by asking my guest the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? Probably that um, I've been starting businesses like my pretty much my whole life um, since I was eight years old. It was my first official business, and then, but even before that, I was doing doing other things, and uh, just something that's that's been a part of uh, kind of a part of my DNA uh, forever. What kind of business did you have at eight years old? <laughs> Uh, at eight years old, I had a, a company called House of Pokemon, uh, and uh, I wasn't especially interested in Pokemon, but uh, a lot of my friends were, and so uh, I, I saw an opportunity to uh, buy and sell uh, and trade Pokemon cards, um, and I did that on eBay, which is like the really early days of eBay. Uh, I did that on a quick website that I had popped up, which at the time was houseofpokemon.com, um, and uh yeah, just kind of in in school, like behind behind the school buses, was, you know, had a little little briefcase that I brought with my uh, with with my uh, catalog. <laughs> so it's very interesting. I've been involved in some kind of business since I was about eleven years old, and I'm always curious. And perhaps in your case, you can expand. What is that entrepreneurial bug? Because I can tell you from my case, it's not always for the money. So what is it? Um, I think it's just excited about it's being excited about growing something, right? And you, you see an opportunity, it's like, ooh, like I wonder what I can wonder what I can do with that. Um, and you're right, it's not, you know, I think there's there's usually going to be easier ways to to make money, um, but there's uh, there's a rush to it, right? Um, it's exciting, like creating something from nothing, um, and then seeing things progress and getting traction and getting that you know, those first customers and getting that first customer that's like, hey, this, you know, this was a great experience. This was awesome, right? Like, and, uh, you know, it's it's an adrenaline. Um, it's an adrenaline rush. And, and I think that's uh, something that, that always motivated me. 
I totally agree about the adrenaline rush. It's always nice to be able to fulfill someone's needs and be able to continue to quote unquote, you know, satisfy customers and keep them coming back. So totally agree with that. And since we're on the topic of business, can you share a little bit about your current endeavor? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, my current endeavor is Antenna Group, um, where I am the uh, Senior Vice President of Strategy and Business Development, um, uh, overseeing specifically the, the clean tech and mobility practice at Antenna. Um, and so Antenna is an integrated marketing and public relations agency that uh, uh, focuses on four uh, primary uh, themes. So clean tech um, and mobility are two. Uh, real estate and real estate technology is a third. And then healthcare uh, is a fourth. And that's a, a lot of like digital health technologies and um, uh, med tech, biotech, pharma uh, technologies as well. And what's some of the services you provide to your clean tech companies? Uh, so it's a, we're, we're a full service agency. So we've got teams focused on public relations, digital marketing, uh, sales and marketing automation, uh, web development, branding, uh, social media, uh, messaging strategy, campaign uh, planning, go-to-market strategy. Uh, so, I mean, we have a, a pretty wide uh, wide range of services. Um, you know, some companies use us for uh, a, a few things, and other companies use us as an end-to-end -end, uh, marketing department, sort of a plug-and-play a plug-and-play uh, plug marketing department that uh, you know, can work alongside their team. Now, if I read your bio correctly, you've been in the clean tech space for about 10 years. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, I started pretty, pretty young. Um, I, start, I got into this at uh, age 20, um, working at the Solar Energy Industries Association, uh, supporting Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. Um, so I was uh, still at the University of Maryland at the time, um, got interested in the space, and uh, it's been I mean, my whole my whole career has been very uh, closely tied to the solar industry, but over the years expanded into you know all these other areas and across the energy technology spectrum and then in a broader clean tech uh, sphere. So two questions: How have you seen the solar industry change in the last ten years, and then clean tech from a broader perspective? Yeah, so I think. The solar industry, I mean, like every, everyone talks about the solar coaster. That's like the, that's, that's the word. I kind of cringe when I hear it at this point. Um, but everything's just gotten more mature. Companies are more mature. Um, uh, the business models are more mature. You're seeing, um, you know, costs come down in a, a very substantial way, uh, both hard costs and soft costs for projects. Um, you're seeing, uh, you know, you, like on, on the new business in terms of new business models, I think community solar is like a you know a mega trend that you know we're really excited about, and um, you know think it's it's a, a really great opportunity for the market. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean it's uh, you know all, all, it's all the right things happening, right? Like uh, you know, uh, new finance mechanisms that are you know making it easier to to go solar. Um, you know, you're seeing more policy initiatives uh, at the at state levels and uh, you know, local levels that are uh, creating more opportunity for uh, for companies and, and you know, improving the economics. Um, and so, you know, I think when I first got into the industry, it was very much about uh, it was it was very much about sustainability, and you know, there was this really high price tag associated with it, um, and then. It, uh, as the economics shifted, it became more of a uh, you know, financial argument, and that I think 
became, you know, that was a, a huge impetus for growth in the industry. Um, and now I think the economic undertone is still very prominent, but um, the resilience angle is really important now with more hurricanes and you know uh, fires. And I mean, there's just you know, lots of volatility, um, uh, you know, both natural volatility and um, and just you know uncertainty in, in, in different parts of the uh, the economy. And, and you know that's become more more attractive. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, it's overall, it's it's been super exciting to see this go from, you know, an industry that had, you know, at that point, I think like 40, 50,000 people to an industry that uh, is you know, over 400,000 directly, but indirectly millions um, if you incorporate the uh, entire supply chain. I appreciate the term solar coaster. I'd never heard that before. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, that is, you know, it's it's a, it's a good uh, representation of the. Um, crazy ups and downs that the industry has faced over the years with the you know different uh, solar ITC battles um, you know trade tariffs um, you know big uh, prominent bankruptcies like Solyndra years ago um, yeah so that's uh, yeah it's been a, it's been a very interesting industry to uh, to track for, for over the last decade and you mentioned community solar can you expand on that a little bit please yeah, community solar is um, where instead of putting solar panels on your roof, uh, you can virtually subscribe to a community solar garden, which would uh, more closely resemble like a larger utility scale solar project or a large commercial solar project typically. Um, and so that's going to be virtually metered and um, you know, generally you're able to save some money um, and then also um, you know, source your, your energy from, from clean energy, which is obviously uh, a plus. Um, so we're seeing um, a lot of growth in, in the community solar market, specifically in places like Minnesota, Colorado, Massachusetts, New York, um, Illinois. Uh, and then there are markets popping up all over the country now, um, uh, probably 15 or so markets that are uh, seeing some, some real movement at this point. Thank you. So you've been in the space for 10 years. From the broader clean tech space, what new technologies or even old technologies are exciting you right now? So for new technologies, um, you know, I think there's the, the growth of artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things um, and just advances in, in automation, um, I think, is like this really interesting trifecta that's taking place. And so some of the things that um, are getting me especially excited today, it's things where you have smart home automation, where you're able to connect all of the uh, energy assets in your home or other um, anything that um, you know, generates, stores, consumes energy, um, and uh, add automated optimizations that are going to you know, increase efficiency. Um, uh, you know, save money, make things more convenient, um, give you people more visibility into what they're doing, but also uh, basically take that um, uh, control um, over the different parts of their home. Because I think uh, the the automation part is, I, I think, really important because, uh, you know, people have spent a, a ton of time and a ton of money in developing apps for consumers to 
you know, understand their, their energy better, you know, track your solar production, right? And you look at the number of people that actually look at their solar production after the first month on some dashboard, right? Like that number is really, really small. Um, and so it's just because people don't want to think about this stuff, right? They, they want things that are set it and forget it. Um, so I think if we can automate more, um, more of these activities within the home and within commercial buildings and, um, you know, and, and you know, across, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, across different sectors, I think ultimately um, we're going to be able to capture some really cool efficiency benefits while also um, creating better uh, experiences for businesses um, and, uh, and um, consumers. Very interesting. So switching gears a little bit, the story behind this conversation is the why the why you're doing what you're doing. And so you've been in the industry 10 years now. You were younger, in college. What drove you to get involved with this, you know, clean tech industry back then? So back then, um, I had I had gotten a, uh, an internship uh, earlier in college um, at a Middle East think tank that was um, – putting out tons of content about um, how foreign oil influences U.S. policy. And that just did not sit right with me. And I, I was really, uh, I became like fascinated, was obsessed with this dynamic of how you know, U.S. government decision-making was, was you know, being made. Um, and so uh, it got to this point where I was like, you know, this is like a national security thing. Like, you know, we should be creating energy locally and it should, you know, and then this is the sustainability side of it actually came after. Um, and, uh, you know, now obviously that's, that's hugely, you know, hugely important to me. Um, but it, it was first from the lens of national security and creating local jobs and, um, you know, just, you know, that, that whole side of it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's, then, you know, solar became, uh, you know, a big part of it and, um, you know, to be part of the solution. And when I look at my current endeavor, um, you know, and, and you know, why it's ultimately so important to me um, is that we, you know, have this really cool opportunity to see lots of different technologies and amazing companies and business models um, where, you know, we can actually have a material impact on, you know, how, they perform in the market, right? Like we have, we're, we're like actually building the clean tech market leaders um, and bringing greater understanding and awareness to complex industries that are solving uh, critical global challenges and helping to commercialize uh, these companies in the market. So um, that is super compelling to me. So if I hear you correctly, I almost feel like you went into this from a patriotic standpoint yeah you can say that that's, that's uh, really exactly. interesting that's that's the first time i've heard that answer it's a very interesting answer because as i think about the broader landscape and the people that are you know for or against some of this clean tech i don't really ever hear that conversation you know leading the charge what have you seen um i think the natural you know, instinct today is to come at it from the sustainability side. But, you know, at that point in my life, I just didn't, I didn't understand that dynamic as much. 
Um, and as I got, you know, closer to it, it, you know, obviously was, was, uh, you know, very big, but I, I do think that, um, you know, the idea of national security and creating local jobs and, and really coming at it from like an economic impact, I think that's something that is a huge driving force, right? Like, you know, the, the when you see uh, state chapter, you know, renewable energy chapters, like lobbying, you know, at, at the state level to get policies in place for solar, right? Like their, their first talking point is the economic growth, right? And economic development opportunity and creating local jobs and, right, you can't outsource solar installations to China, right? Like, um, you know, so that that talking point has always been very uh, present. Um, I just think that that's, you know, how I arrived at things first. So tell me a little bit more about this Mideast think tank. <laughs> yeah, so going back a while, um, but uh, yeah, they, they, at that point, uh, a big focus for them was to uh, it, it help expose the relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia um, and uh, what ultimately Saudi, what ultimately U.S. money was funding in Saudi Arabia. So like, yes, we we're getting oil and all these things, but uh, we're also helping to sponsor like very, you know, radical activities, um, Wahhabism and uh, those types of, of ideologies. And so, um, you know, that, that just did not uh, necessarily sit, sit right with me. So would you have considered yourself patriotic before that think tank? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm born here and, you know, this country's, uh, this country is a pretty amazing place and has been uh, a great place for for my family for a few generations. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's um, you know, always something that I'm, I'm cognizant of. So, you know, a question I like to ask my guest is, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Uh, it might, might be cliche, but um, it, everything throughout my my life has been guided by passion. Um, like I used to say that we're you know, in, in our boilerplate, in the company boilerplate, it was, you know, we're a passion driven organization, right? Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it's, you know, passion is what you know, keeps you motivated, it, it drives you to accomplish great things. And critically, it helps to attract and retain like minded team members, right? And if you surround yourself with you know, a group of smart and passionate people, then you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, and, you know, changing business climate uh, where, you know, you, you constantly have to be pivoting and uh, like you want those types of people around you. And I think people are drawn to passion. Um, so I think it's a, a very powerful, uh, powerful tool. So I love the idea of passion. How do you keep the passion going? Um, challenge yourself, um, you know, try to look, look at how to stay one step ahead of the curve. Um, you know, I, I think that's, um, that's been interesting for us, like in, in our business, right? Like we used to be, um, more focused on traditional public relations and, you know, if we only focused on traditional public relations, then, you know, we'd probably be a dinosaur today. Um, right. And so we went through our own digital transformation and created new services and business models around what we're doing, um, in order to support our clients in, uh, in, in new ways, um, and, you know, that's a, a huge part of our business today is, is, um, uh, you know, based off of that 
that transformation. Um, and that, that, you know, that's just like, that's all being driven by, um, you know, our, our passion to continue to grow companies and grow them in ways that, uh, will enable them to you know, reach their audiences in, in new and compelling ways and tell their story in, in new and compelling ways. And, um, you know, so I think that that's, yeah, that's, uh, how it kind of manifests with our, our work day to day. So since you mentioned business climate, for those of you that might not be aware, we are recording right now during the time of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. And Jake and I were speaking briefly earlier and I'd like to get your view, Jake, on, you know, perhaps some of the changes that we might see or perhaps some of the risks that you and your company are looking at right now with your clients. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's, it's certainly an interesting time for uh, for our business and for our clients. Um, you know, we you know, there's uh, definitely a, a recession taking place and it's going to impact pretty much every part of uh, pretty much every part of the economy. Um, I think with a lot of the things that we do, it's more about just the shifting of strategy, um, right? Where you have a lot of conferences canceled right now or postponed. So companies are, you know, they still have to you know, get along with their business. They still have things that they need to do in the market and um, need to be getting out there. So, you know, a lot of the strategies are shifting towards digital marketing, for example, um, or other forms of, um, you know, lead generation activities that are not tied to in-person events. Um, so it's, it's forcing people to you know, rethink a lot of what they're doing, right? Everyone's working from home, um, you know, with everything is, you know, moving to a video conference. So I, I think, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, only a, a few weeks into this here in the U.S. Um, obviously it's, uh, been, been worse in, in, you know, in China and Europe, um, so far, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone's sort of adjusting to this, you know, new normal, um, but uh, I think everyone is eager for this to pass. Everyone's eager to get back to, you know, get back to work. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this earlier. I think the, the uncertainty is, is the biggest piece here. And I, I likened it to like a, a bad hurricane where it's like we all, we all know it's going to pass. But um, what is the destruction going to look like, right? Like left in its, in its, in its, it's left from, uh, you know, from, from the episode, right? So, um you know, I, uh, I'm certainly nervous about the, the economic fallout. Um, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, uh, empathy and sympathy for, for uh, you know, the service industry and uh, just industries in general that are, you know, particularly affected by this, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, like, look at, you know, think about the economies around event, like around you know, just pro sports, right? Like, Think about it. Yeah, you have the teams, but there's entire economies built around these industries and they are at a grinding halt, right? Like some groups are just like the efficiencies down, right? And, and you know, maybe um, you know, some of their projects get held up, but this, but, you know, those projects are going to, you know, for the most part, move forward, right? Um, for a lot of these, uh, and, you know, for restaurants, for uh, a lot of these events, like there's, you know, they're not, you know, a lot of the stuff's not being made up, Um you know, and you know, people aren't going and eating two meals next month, you know, for dinner. They're having two dinners next month because they didn't have one of the dinners at the restaurant the month before. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a it's really a, you know, scary time for, uh, for for business trying to navigate this, uh, you know, this this new normal. 
I really appreciate that, Jake. And this has been a great conversation. Is there anything that we have not explored that you'd like to talk about or share before we go? Um, yeah, anything that we haven't talked about. Um, yeah, I think uh, one thing that uh, is particularly uh, interesting, it's just something that I've been thinking a lot about right now, is um, you know, the how we define clean tech. Um, and I'd be you know curious to to get your your perspective on this um, because clean tech historically has been kind of viewed as its own uh, umbrella term, right? So it's like you have clean tech, and within that you have renewables and LED lighting and uh, energy efficiency and electric vehicles. And I think we're at this really interesting place where um, the term has become so broad that it's less about what is included within the clean tech ecosystem and more about how clean tech is applied to every part of the economy. Um, and I think you're seeing that really across every part of the economy, you're seeing clean tech themes are these undertones that are, are making its way in. And so, you know, whether it's alternative proteins making gains on meat or, um, you know, carbon, uh, you know, carbon capture, um, and using that as an ingredient in cement, right? Or prop tech taking center stage in the real estate industry or, you know, uh, sustainable fashion taking over fast fashion. Um, so, you know, I think that we're kind of going through this period right now where um, our, the, the lens is, is shifting. Um, and I think that that opens tons of opportunities for people that are looking to get into these sectors um, and you know find opportunities within these sectors. Um, is that kind of consistent with things that you've seen in the market? Um, like, do you, do you uh, feel a similar um, sense that the 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 term is um, much broader today than it has been historically? I, I do, and thank you for asking. I feel like, to your point, the lens is not shifting so much. The lens is widening, growing. I appreciate all the efforts. You know, we've had numerous conversations here at the company with other companies that are exploring fast fashion ideas. Um, you mentioned alternative protein. Specifically, in our case, it was um, cricket protein and black soldier flies. So I appreciate the fact that it's widening because I feel like it becomes more inclusive. And I, my personal feeling, not representing of the company, but my personal feeling is that whatever efforts can be done to mitigate some of the climate change or some of the, um, the challenges with the planet, and also, you know, addressing the other two, you know, whether it's the planet, profit people, it's the, you know, the triple bottom line, any efforts that can be done legitimately to improve those, I think, can be included in that clean tech uh, statement. Yeah, yeah, no, that that, that makes sense um, for sure. Yeah, and that's um, yeah, that's cool. I want to learn more about that cricket protein. That sounds cool. I've heard a few things similar to that, but uh, yeah, we'll have to maybe we'll take that offline. Um, well, happy to share offline. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, kind of on a like a similar tone. Um, you know, you, we've seen over the last few months, um, you know, climate pledges. Really, I mean, over the last year or so, you've seen just this unbelievable. Um, 
unbelievable growth of clean tech focused uh, venture funds and private equity funds. You've seen corporations going in, uh, you know, making massive pledges like Microsoft going carbon negative or the Jeff Bezos, um, you know, new earth fund, $10 billion. Um, so you're seeing all of these things, um, you're seeing all these you know, huge market signals that, you know, you would think like, okay, this is going to be, you know, an amazing, uh, amazing time for clean tech. And, um, you know, now you have this uh, situation with coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what happens with all of this money and all this pledge, you know, all these great pledges, um, you know, when there is this retraction in the economy. Um, and so, you know, on one hand, I'm thinking about it in terms of is this, you know, is all this money going to provide, you know, a form of stimulus to these to these markets, um, or are some of these things going to be pulled back? Um, I'm curious if you have um, if uh, if you've thought about that at all, or um, any 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 thoughts on that? I have thought about it a little, and I feel like certain areas are going to see a stimulus. You know, we talked about jobs briefly offline. I think that since we have this challenge right now, perhaps some of the individuals that are participating in these, you know, perhaps shift work or the QSR industry will maybe look for something that's more stable over the next decade or so. You know, and we have a lady here in Dallas, her name is Tracy, and um, she has a training program for people in the underprivileged areas for solar installations. Now, solar installations might dip during, you know, this time period, but people might be able to go through some kind of training program, which would better equip them going forward to participate in some of these, you know, green tech, clean tech opportunities. Yeah, I think that that type of uh, vocational training is is going to be super helpful for for these industries. Um, and, I, and I think that the industries also just benefit from having people come from other industries, right? Because sometimes you can have uh, some of that, ton- you know, you have kind of um, tunnel vision, right? Um, and you're going to get stuck in, in your ways. And so having that perspective from, you know, outside industries, I think is really, uh, really cool. I think the, um, that's, that's what, uh, that's, that's why I love the Clean Start program. I don't know if you're familiar with that, that program um, out of uh, NYU, uh, but that is meant for um executives uh that are you know pretty accomplished in their careers and um usually you know been been in their fields for some time um that are you know from a very wide range of industries you know finance or you know engineering or advertising or um you know all, all these areas um and then they basically do like a boot camp to retool their skills for the clean economy and then put them into um, uh, local uh, and national clean tech companies for capstone projects, which you know, give them uh, that credential that they can put onto their resume. So um, it helps to kind of accelerate the transition into the clean economy. I think that that is a, a, great, uh, a great, I think the vocational you know, training is great, um, but I think that those types of programs can be hugely successful, um, you know, if they're replicated across the country um, to you know, take some of that star power talent from other industries and inject it to you know, supercharge parts of the clean economy. I appreciate you sharing that. I'll look into that and put uh, the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Jake, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time today. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon.
Absolutely. Take care. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please give us a rating and review at Apple Podcast. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production. And if you want to show your support and help us grow, please share with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle.